Isaiah 9 and verse 2. I want to read it to you again. We're talking about uh, one world government in the United Nations. I thought that would be an apropos, crazy, goofball title uh, for the season that we're in. And uh, part of what we're trying to inspire you with is to look at life from victory, not from defeat, to look at the future with hope instead of discouragement, to look at our current situation no matter what is happening circumstantially. If it's coming to you out of CNN, out of MSNBC, did I say that right? Okay. Did Microsoft buy part of NBC or something? I don't know. Anyway, whatever. Uh, wherever it's coming from to look at that out of the lens of the kingdom, out of the lens of the victorious one. Amen? Even Colossians 3, when we think about, when we think about Colossians 3 there, that we won't go to it, but Colossians 3 that we're seated, you know, set your mind on things above where you're already seated. Part of what I've been trying to drill home to you and to your hearts over the last few weeks and trying to get us to expand our thinking on is that we are hidden in Jesus, the Son of Man. It's a crazy thing to think about, I think. Yes, yes, He is divine, but He represents us in His manhood. He's reassumed his divinity, of which he stripped himself of, Philippians chapter 2. But as he represents us, he represents us as a man before the Father, and he represents us in his manhood. And he's there, mindful of the earth. He's actually not mindful of heaven, he's mindful of the earth, that the earth would reflect heaven. And when, when they created the earth, the earth was actually a replica of heaven. And restoration means restoring heaven on earth. This is why even in Matthew 6, 9 through 11, when the disciples said, teach us how to pray, we don't know how to pray. We want to know how to pray. Teach us how to pray. He introduced something revolutionary to them because they had never heard it that way before, and they'd never thought of it prayer or life in those terms. That life would be, that prayer would be invoking heaven on earth. Instead of invoking get us off of the earth, invoking, Father, bring heaven to earth. So even when he taught them to pray, he was introducing something revolutionary and revelational. Isn't that crazy? Isaiah 9 and 2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. By the way, that was us. That was the Gentile people, the non-Jewish people. Those who live in a dark land, light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor as that of Midian. For every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning, fuel for fire. For a child will be born to us, 
a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Now, Isaiah announces this prophetically, and by the way, he needed to announce this prophetically. This is how God uses prophets. Prophets announce things that God is going to do, and when prophets announce things that God is going to do, it is the sowing of the seed of that reality into the spirit realm, and the sowing of that seed into the reality of the spirit realm causes the spirit realm to become pregnant with what God has in mind, And then in due season, Galatians chapter 4, in due season, in fullness of time, in the fullness of the pregnancy, the spirit realm brings forth that which God ordained and declared through the prophets. And what we've been saying to you over the last few weeks is that you too are to prophesy. That the word of the Lord in your mouth is like a prophetic hammer. A prophetic sledgehammer. Chris got this vision, and I'm like, oh, that vision. You got the vision of Jeremiah 51.20. Chris had that vision. Last week he got up and shared it, but he had that vision last week. This crazy vision, and it was the vision of Jeremiah 51.20, where God says, you are my war club. He says it's over Israel. He longed that all of Israel would walk in the prophetic, that they would all walk in the destiny-shaking reality of the Word of God in their heart and in their mouth. This is what he longed for. This is why Moses said, are you jealous for my sake? This is why Jesus said, are you jealous for my sake? where those who had a true prophetic mantle on them understood that God wanted all people to have the word of the Lord in their heart and the word of the Lord in their mouth. The word of breakthrough, the word of prosperity, the word of increase, the word of destruction to darkness. So as you frame the word of God in your mouth, you're actually participating in the prophetic realm. You're actually entering into the ministry of the prophetic realm. It's not, it's, not, it's not so mystical that you can't get a hold of this. It's not so mystor- mysterious that you can't walk in this. It's, it's we as pastors, church leaders, apostolic ones, fivefold people, you know what? We are geniuses at making simple things hard. And today we're trying to make hard things simple. I think we're thinking to ourselves, if we make simple things hard, it'll be the full employment act for us. You'll think we're amazing. You'll think you need us. The clergy will clergy, the lady will lay. 
I don't know. I don't know what it's all about. But I'm here to tell you, this is really easy. It's so easy that as you learn the Word, you begin to frame your speech with the Word. The more of the Word you learn, you begin to frame your speech with that Word. You begin to speak only what you learn in the Word. This was the victory of Joshua 1, isn't it? Joshua 1, 6 through 8. Meditate on the Word day and night. And let that Word be only what you say. And then you shall make your way prosperous and successful. This is the genius of, uh, of Proverbs, right? Where it says, death and life, or life and death, whichever way you've learned or gotten accustomed to saying it, is in the power of the tongue. And those that love... Those that love it, this reality, those that love this reality will eat the fruit thereof. The fruit will be good. Every time he talks about the tongue, we see that the tongue is interrelated to seed. Seed produces fruit. This is Luke 8.11. The seed is the word of God. Say it with me. The seed is the word of God. So it's inevitable that if you talk the Word of God, if you talk the things that correspond with the Word of God, if you pray, prophesy, rebuke, and command, if you decree and judge according to the Word of God, it's inevitable. It is predetermined. It is literally guaranteed that your future will become bright and it will become transformed according to the DNA of that which is in the seed which you speak. It cannot help but happen. It has no choice. The future has no choice but to be predetermined after that which comes out of your mouth as it pertains to the Word of God. You should be dancing a jig right there. You know why? Because you don't have to be subjected to circumstances. You don't have to be subjected to darkness. You don't have to be subjected to negative reports. You don't have to be subjected to your history. You don't have to be subjected to your, your color of skin. You don't have to be subjected to anything. There's not a devil that can keep you from your breakthrough. Only your tongue can keep you from your breakthrough. That's why we have to tame it under the Spirit and under the Word. Yes? Because it is the most unruly character within your being. In many ways, the Old Testament period was a physical manifestation of what we have now in the spirit realm. Many of you know that, right? They dispossessed their enemies out of the promised land with arms. We dispossess through authority in Christ with the sword of the spirit. Theirs was mainly a physical battle. Ours is mainly a spiritual battle, a higher battle, a battle in the spirit realm. Their battle was primarily with people. Ours is mainly with spiritual powers. You can hug your enemies. 
You can pray for those that have despitefully used you. Because your warfare is in the spirit realm. But we learn things about our current battle by looking at their current battle. Looking at what they went through, we learn a little bit about us. And so I want to encourage you again to engage in the battle. Constantly be engaging in the battle. Do not let yourself become cold. Don't let yourself become wrongfully content in the midst of things going well. Constantly be sowing seeds using the spirit, the sword of the spirit, the seeds of the word of God into the future constantly because that is what produces the harvest you will inherit. If you begin to look at the goodness you're walking in today and stop sowing toward tomorrow, confronting toward tomorrow, using the sword toward tomorrow, then your todays will begin to erode. And you'll soon be at a harvest that is not what you wanted or desired. But it's simply because you got lazy. In the springtime, when kings go out to battle, David at one point, decided not to go. Springtime means at the time where you are to set forth seed for harvest. Kings would go out to battle. It's a spiritual metaphor. When you have the opportunity, when before you is that which will predetermine your harvest. Not harvest time, springtime. It's time to sow. When it's time to sow, if you stay home around the palace, just looking at what you have, you could be in trouble. In the springtime, in the time where it's time to sow, to be engaged. And, uh, and for me, it's spring every morning. About 5.30 a.m. It's springtime every morning. And I'm sowing into my future. And I'm sowing into the church. And I'm sowing into the nation. And I'm sowing into the kingdom. And I'm sowing into you. And I'm sowing into my children. And I'm determining the course of my destiny because I'm aligning my words and my confession with what God has decreed, what God has said, with what God has accomplished in the supreme man, Jesus, who is representing me, who's qualified me for every gift, who's inherited on my behalf every single promise from God. So every day about 5.30 a.m., That one there and this one here are marching around something as if it were springtime, setting ourselves up for harvest season. So guess what? The light keeps getting brighter every day. The light of the righteous keeps getting brighter until the full day. It just keeps getting brighter. Amen? Listen to Numbers thirty-three fifty-four. just trying to provoke you for a minute. To be strong, to be courageous, to be bold. To purposely and intentionally engage yourself in the prophetic battle. Engage yourself in the prophetic battle. Don't let yourself be lazy. Don't let your tongue be lazy. 
Numbers 33, 54, this is talking about the promised land. You shall inherit the land by lot according to your families. To the larger you shall give more inheritance, to the smaller you'll give less inheritance. Wherever the lot falls to anyone, that shall be his. You shall inherit according to the tribes of your fathers. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come about that those whom you let remain of them will become as pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they will trouble you in the land in which you live. Now, this actually happened. The 12 tribes went in to possess the land, and you know they were to go in and cooperate with God to drive out the enemy. But it says that some of them got lazy, and some of them began to make little agreements, and some of them began to talk, and and they began to kind of compromise, and they began to feel sorry for. These enemies, these seven unclean tribes that worshipped Satan... They begin to make agreements with them. They even begin to intermarry with them and get all friendly with them. And what happened is that wherever that happened, those tribes became a thorn in the side, a devastating problem to those 12 tribes that were called, enabled, emboldened, and graced to go in and possess their promised land. It's a picture for you and I. Maybe the enemy would come along to you and say, well, you know, life is good enough. Uh, just calm down, calm down. Life is good enough. Maybe the enemy's even coming, masking himself to be a minister of righteousness, giving you false peace where you should actually be irritated or agitated because things aren't quite at the glory realm that God wants them to be. God wants you to continue to press until your present reality is like heaven on earth. Isn't that what Jesus said? Pray this way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when you begin to settle for a lesser realm of heaven on earth, lesser in the financial realm, lesser in the marriage realm, lesser in the physical realm, lesser, you begin to, you begin to compromise and begin to become maybe complacent or peaceable in your own heart, at rest in your own heart. How much poo in the brownies will allow you to call the brownie brownie? Oh, yeah, it's a great youth pastor illustration, isn't it, huh? This is what the youth pastors do is they take the brownies and they mix them up in the pan, and it looks real good, and then they just put one little chunk of poo in there, and then they mix it in. Then they ask the students if they'll eat the brownie. How come just a little bit of poo causes the brownie to be unedible, something we refuse, something we push back. Shouldn't it be the same in your own life? If God's put missions on your heart and you're not there yet, why are you, why are you settling? Why aren't you using your faith? 
Keep aligning your words. See, the enemy's going to come and say, oh, come on, stop talking like that. Stop prophesying like that. Stop praying like that. Stop decreeing things like that. Who do you think you... Things are fine. Things are good. Look how far you've come. But the Holy Spirit would say to you, no, keep pressing. Keep pressing. Keep pressing and drive all of those out of your promised land. You've been giving an inheritance by allotment. God has predetermined an allotment of inheritance for you, and you need to continue to press and push and drive the enemy out of your territory until you are possessing it all, until you are tasting of heaven on earth. And if you do not do this, then these little things that you allow will become thorns to your side and hindrances to hedge you in. A thorn bush is something that hedges you in. You okay? Let's go to Matthew sixteen nineteen. I know we've been using the word prophecy and prophesy a lot. Uh, And so somebody said to me this morning, well, do you really really mean just like like declaring God's word when you pray? And I'm like, yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. All right. How come you didn't just say that? Come on, pastor, make it simple. Well, the reason I've been using the word prophecy or inferring the prophetic ministry and and kind of addressing us this way is because I want you to see how normative this is to the New Testament believer. That you are the manifestation of the victory of Jesus in the earth. He... If he is not manifesting his victory and his authority and his dominion through you when you talk, when you pray, then he's not manifesting his victory at all. Where's that that in the Bible? Okay. I read your mind. I don't know if I've got it here, but let's see if we can pull it up. Ephesians 3. Let's go over there. We'll we'll actually use the other Bible, the big fat one. Ephesians chapter 3. Let's go there real quick. This is why, and I, I don't want to be heavy on you, but this is why I would say to you is that if you are, if your little tongue is being stubborn and saying, well, I'm not going to. You know, my tongue is lazy. It doesn't want to get up in the morning. I'm, I need more than coffee. I'm not a morning person. I'm not a prayer person. I really don't get into that declaration stuff. Really, that's stubbornness and rebellion and pride is what that is. You're refusing to cooperate with him who's depending on you to bring his glory into the earth. You are refusing to be his mouthpiece of victory. How's he going to be victory 
See, what's going to happen is he is going to get a generation of people that agree with him. And what's going to happen is that generation is going to see so much breakthrough, so much glory. They're going to see so much increase of the government of his peace that it's going to blow the world away. It's going to blow the church away. He's, he's moving us into a realm where church is not as usual. We're moving out of this religious gathering together and just kind of, you know, get a little bit of a little dose of hope because life is so bad. I mean, he's moving us beyond that. You literally are in charge of the globe. And you are setting the course of history with your mouth. And if you refuse to use your mouth to set the course of history, to declare his victory over authorities, this is where, too, even as guys, I'm going to speak to guys, we need to be so free from Jezebel. We need to be so free from the spirit of Jezebel that when she shows up in pornographic images, our eyes are not drawn to her. Our mouth is drawn to curse her. We need to be so free because it says, actually it says, at the end of Revelation 2, that those who overcome Jezebel, this is Revelation 2, like 18 and following, those who overcome Jezebel will be given authority in the nations. You read this in the book that Lou Engle talked about in the Jesus Fast. Some of you read the book. You were reading about that, how God moved him into beginning to come against the ministry, the spirit, the the stronghold of Jezebel, and God took him to that passage in Revelation chapter 2, 18. Guys, we need so much victory in our own lives over the spirit of Jezebel that instead of being drawn to her, we are cursing that spirit, setting women free from a wrong dimension of perspective. And therefore, taking authority and releasing the victory and the authority of Jesus over the spirit realm so powerfully that that ministry, that stronghold of Jezebel, begins to be demolished and cast down in our nation. We watched, uh, we watched that movie, The Queen of Something. Huh? Say it louder. Can, what? With a K? We watched the movie about the chess-playing female. In Uganda. Have you seen that? The queen of Katswa. Have you seen that? Okay, you got to go rent that movie. It's about this girl that plays chess in Uganda. All right. So you got to, you got to, it is so true to Ugandan life. It's, it's unbelievable. It's so cool. All right. But we watched that movie on our little trip and like we finished that and we're, oh my goodness. That's the way movies ought to be. Uplifting. Inspiring powerful, encouraging. And when you're done with the movie, you don't feel unclean. You don't feel like you've just been violated. And this is the way media is going to turn. Did you hear what I just said? I didn't say, let's pray, media begins to turn this way. Oh, no, 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 no. You are Jesus in the earth. You are the supreme man. You are, you are hidden in the supreme one. 
He's not ruling in his divinity. He's ruling out of his manhood because he's inherited the earth. And you are the voice of him who's inherited the earth. And so out of you will come this declaration that holy weird will become holy wood. That the city of angels will once once again be known as the city of angels. That the goodness of God will begin to be what people declare and demand and desire in cinematography. They'll want goodness. They'll want goodness. And that's what's coming in the media mountain. Amen? Lord, we just agree with that right now, that you are the Lord of the media mountain. We agree right now. We, we bring affirming speech, prophetic utterance right now, because we forth tell. We forth tell out of a prophetic dimension where our hearts agree with what you're up to and what you've said and what you're doing, that the media mountain is being transformed, that you're raising up the righteous in the media mountain and you're bringing down the wicked. The wicked are looking for jobs, but the righteous are finding them. The wicked are unemployed, but the righteous are finding employment. The wicked are running low on things to write about, and their screenplay and their storyline is becoming odious to the nations and odious to those who spend at these movie complexes. But the righteous are receiving downloads and scripts and screenplay and insights and storylines that awaken the hearts of the nation, that stir up and arouse people that are in great demand in every movie complex. We declare this. We decree it in Jesus' name. Now, you just did something vastly powerful. And because it's God's will, when it comes out of your mouth, He will watch over it to see that it comes to pass. It's God's will. It is God's will. It is God's will. So He will watch over it and see that it comes to pass. And every one of you, when we begin to say the same thing, see, God's not saying a different thing. He's saying the same thing. So we're in a Genesis 11 moment. When we begin to say the same thing, then nothing will be impossible to our God. Nothing will be impossible to our Jesus, the supreme man, when those of his body begin to agree with him and say what he's saying, then nothing will be impossible to him, the supreme man. Isn't that cool? Come on, get excited about that. I was taking you over to Ephesians. Ephesians 3, verse 8. To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things in order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church. Everybody say, through the church. Since the resurrection, the manifold wisdom of God is now being made known through the church to who? To rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Where do we wrestle? 
He goes on to say it in Ephesians chapter 6. We wrestle in the heavenly realms. What are we doing with that wrestling match? We are declaring the manifold wisdom of God. We are declaring the authority of God. We are the mouthpiece of this mystery which was hidden. This is now being revealed through the church to these who are in authority in the heavenly realms that they might be silenced, that they might be routed, demolished, brought down, and that their dominion over mankind will be silenced and brought to nothing. I only read that because one of you said, where is that in the Bible? Matthew 16, 19. I've got a couple minutes left. What we've been talking about is another way to view Matthew 16, 19. Many of you know the scripture really well. He's talking to Peter and the disciples. Peter's name was actually Simon at that time, right? Peter means rock. Simon means reed. He says, no longer will you be Simon the reed. From now on, you're going to be Peter the rock. And he's asking them, who do people say that I am? And Simon the reed spoke up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, whoa, that didn't come out of a reed. That came out of a rock. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. The Holy Spirit revealed that to you. I'm going to announce right now your name is changed. You're no longer Simon the Reed. You're going to be Peter the Rock. And he says, on this revelation, I will build my church. This revelation that I am the Christ. I am the Son of God, the Son of Man. I am the Supreme One. On this revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it. By the way, you should frame your mouth with that one. The authority of hell, it's in the gates that was all wisdom, authority, and judgment. Judgment was in the gates of the ancient city. And he says, the gates of hell will not prevail, will not yield authority over the church. The church will break down the gates of hell. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. This is interesting. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He's inferring here, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven on earth. Not the keys to the heaven you will arrive at. Not the keys to arrive at heaven. He was telling them, I'm actually going to give you the keys to heaven on earth. And when I give you those keys, you will become one who is engaged prophetically with your tongue. And whatsoever you bind, having been bound in the heavens by the supreme man, it shall be bound on the earth. And whatsoever you loose, having been loosed upon mankind... By the supreme man, it shall be loosed. 
Jesus overcomes Satan. He takes authority over Satan. It says that the victory that he won was a victory over death, hell, and the grave. Jesus demolishes the curse on our behalf, Galatians 3.13. Jesus receives all authority, Matthew 28, 18, and 19, having defeated the enemy. He does all of this in his manhood, not in his divinity, that he might fully represent us and that he might qualify us before Father so that every blessing and all power can be given us who are hidden in him. Are you hidden in Jesus? How many of you are hidden in Jesus today? I wasn't going to go a fourth week. We'll pray about this. We need to close. Maybe we'll go a fourth week. You want more of this or not? Am I wearing you out? Are you sure? Let's uh, have the band come and help us close. Are you encouraged? Stand with me this morning. So remember, this is very normal for you. Everybody say normal. What's normal is to prophesy. It's normal for you to prophesy. Jesus overcame sickness. It's very normal for you to begin to say, sickness is overcome in my life. Jesus broke the curse and overcame poverty. So it's very normal for you now to begin to prophesy. When the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the new believers in Acts chapter 2, Peter stood up. Now the rock, no longer the reed. He stood up and preached the first sermon. And he said, this is the fulfillment of what Joel prophesied, what Joel announced, what Joel declared. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit and your sons and daughters will. It will be normal for them to speak forth the word, to speak according to the word. It won't be hard for them. Did you know it wasn't hard for Joshua? Why wasn't it hard for Joshua? Because Joshua was the son of Moses. Joshua received a special anointing. Joshua was very unique. Not everybody had the anointing on them like Joshua. Joshua craved what was on Moses, one who was set apart by God. The word Joshua is the Hebrew word for Jesus, Yeshua. Captain of salvation. Do you know why Moses died on Mount Nebo? Moses died on Mount Nebo, not because he was a bad dude, because the law will not take you into your promise. Only Yeshua can take you into your promised land. Moses died not going into the promised land as a type because the law cannot take you into your promised land. Only agreeing with the promises of Yeshua can take you into your promised land. So there's a segue of leadership, and now leadership is given over to Joshua, and Joshua is one who loved the presence of God, and wherever Moses would go to the tent of meeting, whenever Moses would go spend time with God, Joshua would not depart from Moses. 
So in transition, the anointing came upon Joshua to lead the people in. You have that same anointing on you. That's why I've got so much confidence that this is not hard for you. This is not hard for you. The enemy wants to make it hard. Your history wants to make it hard. Accusation wants to make it hard. A husband or wife wants to make it hard. Somebody around you wants to say, who are you to talk like that? So start in your prayer closet where nobody's listening. Start where nobody's listening. Begin to practice that you're free from the curse. That you're prospering. Prosperity is breaking out all over you. Prosperity breaks out to the left and the right. The blessing overtakes you. It's like a football tackler and you've got the ball. You're about to be tackled with blessing. It's about to overtake you. Health and healing is yours. It's natural for you. Begin to talk this way. It's natural for you to talk this way because the anointing of Joshua is upon you. The anointing of Joshua is upon you. The anointing of Joshua is upon you. The breakthrough of Yeshua is upon you. You are destined to be a breakthrough one. One who is set apart. You're different than everyone around you. You're different than those at the grocery store. You're different at those rubbing shoulders with you. You're different at the, with, than those who you talk to. You're different. You're a set apart one. You are one who has a special anointing upon your life. You see things coming up in roses, not coming up in thorns. You see things coming up in blessing. You see the glass half full and not half empty. That's natural for you. Yes. Yes. I want the prayer team up as we close this morning. Some of you, what's happening is, and I I want you to listen to this real quick. What's happening is, is that it's not that you don't qualify. It's just that the enemy is harassing you, trying to convince you that you don't qualify. It's not that you're not good enough, because in him you have been made good enough. It's just that the enemy is harassing you, trying to convince you that you're not good enough. But your qualification has never been in you. Your qualification is now in him. So this morning, as we close and worship, if that's you, if you've just kind of felt the harassing of the enemy, you've felt... And maybe you've been feeling, I don't know, I just can't believe this. You know what he's saying? I don't see it that way. I see the glass is half empty. I don't see the future coming up in roses. If you were thinking that as I was talking that, I want to encourage you, that's not the real you. That's actually something that Jesus wants to set you free from right now. That's a testimony. That's a voice. That's an imagination. That's a visitation that can actually be resisted and the Lord will set you free. If that's you this morning, as we close, just come quickly, come quickly. More prayer members will come up. If there was just a flash within you as I was saying that, I don't know, that's not me. I don't see joy ahead. I don't see blessing ahead. I don't see prosperity ahead. I don't see healing ahead. I don't see health ahead. If you had that little witness within you, I'm just telling you right now, that was not the real you that had that witness. 
That was not the real you. That was not the Jesus within you that had that witness. That was the voice of the enemy that's going to leave you alone right now and this morning. It's going to leave you alone right now and this morning. Amen? Let's worship as we close.